Welcome to episode 140 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and you can find me discussing the willingness of information workers to work with information at SEATJK. And with me, as always, is Chris. Where on the internet do you subtweet those around you, Chris? I subtweet people at CD Villa Senor on Twitter. I don't really subtweet people. I just get right after. Except for I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tag Megan the Stallion the other week, and you kind of got on me about that. You coward. <laughs> I'm not a I was just like, I was just like, Megan Thee Stallion doesn't need suburban dads all like in her mentions. She doesn't care about me. I'm not. I'm. Not, she doesn't make music for me. Her presence isn't for me. So I don't. I, I, I don't know. I mean, she's not intending to make it for you. I, I'm not sure that you don't make up a sizable part of her audience. <laughs> suburban dads who are being held hostage in their cars by uh, kids listening to her their songs. I'm just saying there's a visual medium that goes along with the music. I think maybe that's part of what's going on there. Maybe. Perhaps. Well, we're going to have some familiar segments for you tonight as we're going to discuss the food we're missing, the life hacks we're discovering, and the medium hot takes we're spewing all in equal fashion. In segment one, we're talking ideal dinners for your celebration, and we'll talk about some more perfect bites. And in segment two, we're going to do what I believe should be the final installment of the ever-popular half-baked life hacks. And finally, we're going to examine the punishment you invite by sharing your opinions on the internet and encouraging others to do the same. Beyond the buzzer, we'll pause for Jad Jokes of the Week before heading to the OT, where I will share with you an, ex- an excerpt from the memoirs of former British Prime Minister Ted Heath. If I read it like the way I just read that line, it's not going to go very well. <laughs> it will likely become evident to you why I chose to do this after I'm done reading it. Interact with the show on Twitter, at 2on3pod, or hit us up via email at... Hello. At 2on3pod.com, you know how much we love to hear from you. But before we get to that, Chris, I have to ask you, a month in, how's the remote learning model working for you? It is, um, it's, it's okay. I mean, it really, I mean, it really is. <laughs> in, in fact, my son set up this hilarious, like, cocoon for himself where he now goes in to learn. Like, he doesn't sit at the desk anymore. He's built like a, a tent with a blanket and some stuff and some snacks, and he just goes in the tent and he's nice. and he's happy there. And he, I think he does. I think he's doing pretty well. I think I think he does better in the tent, and it might be like an anxiety thing. Like maybe he's sort of figured it out for himself that he's much more comfortable in this like really enclosed space. Mm-hmm. And now that he's in that little enclosed space, as opposed to out in the desk and in the chair, I think he's. I think he's. I think he's doing really well. You sure it's not just that he's hiding his computer screen from you? No. <laughs> he's not quite there yet. Like, <laughs> so like you think. In two more years. <laughs> in two more years, this is definitely going to be the reason. But, but right now, I think he's just comfortable in this, the, that small space. And, uh, and, and we, just che- we can check their grades okay. online. And we, lo- we took a peek at them the other day, and they seem to have turned in all their assignments and and everything seems to be going okay. I don't know how much they're learning, <laughs> but they're but they're but they're they're doing what they're being asked to do, which is I guess the part of school, right? Yes. Well, that's good to hear. And I must lament one more time being behind you in the family development department as far as age is concerned. Having two elementary school children um, has proven particularly challenging. I uh, have you ever seen those things they sell in like the Sharper Image catalog? That's basically a muzzle for your conference call <laughs> mouth. <laughs> you, yes. You know? So I don't know. The kids won't wear a mask for a doctor's appointment. For like, stop touching your face. 
Right. But uh, I, I, yeah, so that probably wouldn't work. But I, I've been thinking that, you know, as much for that as when they sit right next to each other and play Minecraft and still shout like they're 20 feet away. Yeah. It's like, can you stop yelling, please? <laughs> You're right next to each other. Are they finding a rhythm with the thing? Or is your school finding a rhythm with the thing? Like, I know, I remember you were talking about how you're, you're younger. She... She doesn't. She doesn't know how to read very well because she's just young, <laughs> right? And so, did they figure out? Did they figure out a way to like keep keep them going forward at all? It does seem now like all the assignments come with a a recorded video instruction, like the independent work. Whereas that was not the case originally. It was writ- mostly written instructions, mm-hmm. which yes, proved to be a challenge. But regardless, when you have a first grader, what I've discovered, and I was lamenting this on the internet not too long ago, is that every assignment for the first grader, whether you like it or not, is an assignment for you too. So I'm really enjoying going to first grade. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, especially when I'm trying to, you know, do a job at the same time. Um, so yeah, I mean, so I've got some couple, I've got a few mild gripes. Uh, <laughs> I had to email the teacher and I was like, Hey, if you have it in your power to maybe not start the class uh, video conference calls on the quarter or the 10 of the hour, that would be super cool. I was like, some of us are at work and it's very hard to step away to get a child connected the way they need to be connected. It's a lot easier if you're like, hey, it's at the bottom of the top. That's, I, can, I can plan ahead on that one. Yeah. When, you, when you're dropping it into the middle of my, my hour in the middle of the day, that, that's a little bit more challenging. She, really? They're doing that? They, they do that to you? I like, just don't think after? they're thinking about it. I just think, you know, this is like, hey, you know, school's always on the 10s, right? That's kind of how it works. So you're yeah. back in the day. They changed, and, they changed ours up, man. We're on, the, we're on the top and we're on the top and bottoms. Well, hopefully my bitching will get us to the, way, the place we need to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely quickly becoming a high-maintenance parent. Um, and I'm not, like, being difficult. I just like – we talked before about the, the, the access issues that I've dealt with with the computing. Uh, but, like, even today, the, the first grade independent activity, like the, the – it's so Wednesday is, like, the early release day, right? So the, mm-hmm. the amount of structure work, structure work is much smaller for both of them. Okay. Which is – okay for the older one and not so great for the younger one as far as me trying to get anything done at work mm. um and the independent activity was was basically build a tin can telephone and i'm like what the fuck what? <laughs> like so no, the child's gotta a... get supplies that you string, didn't tell me i needed to gather can like cups dixie yes. cups Two. dixie cups and string and some yeah. uh, and and some pokey scissors man yeah, yeah, I know, but I got it. What I'm gonna let the the six year old cut holes <laughs> in the bottom of cups unsupervised? Sure, and and tie a knot in a string. Uh huh. Yeah, that's that's all that's all happening. Independent work for sure. Yes. So how are you liking first grade? Uh, it's uh, I don't. Do you like feel it. like good? Do you feel like Goodwill hunting all the time? Do you know how easy <laughs> this is for me? <laughs> this work is a fucking joke. I wish it felt that way, but when you're trying to convince someone else that it's important to them, mm. it's not like I just get to bask in the glory of my own genius. <laughs> my son was taking this uh, math assessment, and and he guess he had a couple of days to do it. Uh-huh. And um, at one point, I said to him, "I said, hey, you want me to take that test? You want me to take that assessment for you?" He says, "Yeah," and I'd end up in high school math, and then I'd really be lost. <laughs> I said. Yeah, you're probably right. They, they, they go, this kid this kid gets it. Yeah. Let's move him up. <laughs> Our older daughter is already in the, uh, the, the more advanced math uh, option. Mm. And she still had to do the assessment. And the assessment is, like, difficult. Like, they're asking about factors and, like, can you, you know, like, and reducing fractions is more, you know, like, right on the edge of her capability. Mm-hmm. But she also hasn't seen that material for eight months. Mm-hmm. 
so it's one of those things where I have to decide how much of it can I jog, like how much am I helping by helping? Or, and I try to explain to her, I'm like, look, (laughs) if you get this right, but you don't actually know how to do it, it's only going to make your life harder. It's worse. Yeah. Yeah, It's worse. So she gets it, but the younger one was having like a meltdown about the fact that she's like, there's all these questions she didn't have any idea how to answer in this assessment. Take the zero, man. That's what they, that's take the, take the L and, uh, and they'll, they'll figure it out. There's like, it's, are you on that standards based grading thing? I, do you do that? Do they do that? Which it's not will? like A, B, C, D. You don't get A's and B's like Correct, in elementary yes. school. You get a approaching, like nowhere near a grade level. It's a lot, actually, it's a lot more like a corporate performance review. Approaching grade level, yeah. exceeds grade level yes. kind of thing. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like a trending toward achieving, overachieving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Needs yeah. improvement. Right. <laughs> well, you figure like by the end of the year, you're like you should be at grade level, right? I mean, if you started third grade today there's no way you'd be on grade level you'd be below grade level they haven't even taught you anything yet it's it's tough when it's 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 tough when you yeah Yeah. i get it it's tough when you you, when you feel like i'm in school and i should know the answers to questions but they ain't taught you nothing yet they just lead with this assessment and then just give you a just a kick in the nuts like just it's just it doesn't seem fair to the kids at all. Well, the assessment is standardized and it should be adaptive. And I get why school can't do that. They don't have the technology. They don't have the budget to develop something like that. Um, but standardized doesn't make any sense when you're assessing first graders. No. Not unless you're going to actually just make it first grade material. And a lot of that stuff was not first grade material. There was stuff on the, the first grade assessment that I know doesn't even get taught until the, the end of second grade or the beginning of third. Because I've seen the curriculum. <laughs> I'm like, why are you assessing? I get what you're doing here. But if the child gets 100 on the first grade assessment, then maybe you can expand the, the testing. Hey, you know what? We're going to have you take a second one. Right. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't just push the child through this ego-shattering, impossible, <laughs> like, labyrinth of math problems that she's never even heard of. Right. Put her self-esteem through the Play-Doh, uh, the Play-Doh mash machine. It was a tough scene. I'll tell you what. Yeah. All right, well, on to, on to happier occasions as we go to segment one. Yeah. So welcome to October, dear listeners. And uh, in October, both Chris and I had the privilege of being born. At Rocktober. Year, Rocktober. Different years, 10 years apart. Very very close together. I think you were at what? Uh, I'm the end of the month. Yeah. but it's the like beginning two of the month. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, my birthday is in nine days. And so my wife asked me, well, what do you want? And my action is for dinner, to be specific. <laughs> I was going to say, oh. Uh, <laughs> okay, we got it. Well, I mean, the answer is to be left alone. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> to do what I want to do without interruption. We've gone over this. <laughs> but no, she's like, well, you know, what do you want for birthday dinner? And I'm like, well, I, I'm the only one that leaves the house to do any shopping, so I'll, I'll just take care of it. <laughs> I'll just get the dinner. Yeah, don't worry about it. I, I get it. You want to do something nice, but don't, don't sweat it. I'll, I'll make sure I treat myself. Um, but I wanted to ask you. When, you know, I wanted to bring back some of the perfect bites that we had left over to discuss, mm-hmm. no pun intended, and, uh, and also, you know, ask you what is on your ideal celebration plate. I like to go sort of, I'm a, like, steak and potato is generally, like, like the, the chosen food for celebration for me. Okay. Like, let's just get, let's just get a steak that's, like, a ribeye that's wildly big mm-hmm. from the meat joint. And then, because uh, they'll cut one for you too. Like you sure. don't like the ones that, that show up in the glass. You're like, could you saw one off for me? That's yes, like really huge. Yeah, can you get a 16 ounce? You got right, like bigger than that even. But like, and then so, and then I'll cook it up, and it'll be great. So steak, steak, 
baked potatoes generally for me, like I know that's I know that's kind of a boring dude thing to say, but uh, but that's uh, that's why that's where I tend to go if it's if it's special occasion eating. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I tend to 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 celebrate with the steak as well, mostly because I just I don't eat it on a regular basis because no one else in my house is eating it, so I'm not cooking steaks. This is not mm-hmm. something I'm doing on a regular basis. Um, potatoes, I'm not as interested in. I find potatoes to be tiresome and overrated for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a pairing. It's, they they feel like they they go hand in hand in my. Perhaps. So what else do you do? You do you bother with a vegetable? Any special? Anything? Any extra bites? Any anything goes alongside the steak, or just the the steak by itself? With no, potatoes? it's like yeah, it's like steak, and then like the baked potato, which gets jam full of like butter and cheese and stuff you don't eat, and uh, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, and it turns into like sort of like this potato soup and a baked potato skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my jam. Like as far as I mean. There will be some vegetable on the plate. I don't know what it. I don't know what it'll be, but it won't be particularly memorable. It's not a. It's it's a. Uh, it's it's definitely the uh, the the third supreme. You know? Okay. See, I'm definitely uh, well prepared green vegetable over any kind of potato. Like that's that's my choice every time, even in the steakhouse. That's crazy. No, potatoes are gross. <laughs> potatoes are gross. <laughs> useless they just grow in the ground and they're useless they just i mean yeah you can survive on them if you have no choice apparently you can grow them in your own poop yeah yeah in space matt, da- matt damon did that <laughs> you know that's not it's funny because in my head that's sort of become reality for a thing that occurred yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember the time the guy got stranded on mars and he survived <laughs> yes exactly no so in a funny potato related story okay years ago we had a um a garden going um we put some. We planted some potatoes. My son, for his his uh, his school, they said, "Hey, cut, take a potato, cut it into quarters, and then, you know, let it let it root or whatever. Like, and then and then put it plant it in your plant it in your garden." So sure. we did that, and we grew some potatoes. Fast forward, when I took the I took the raised beds out, gave them away, and uh, redistributed the, the dirt and all this other stuff. This year. Lone, like something's growing and it doesn't look like a weed and I'm like it's growing it's very it's it's the plant that it's like a tall it's a nice looking plant I'm like is that gonna make like a is that like an old cherry thing like or is it old I mean cherry tomato bush or whatever I didn't know what it was so it got big and it's like I oh, finally it's like oh just dig it up it was potatoes so <laughs> so, I, so I cleaned the potatoes that grew in my yard and we ate them nice yeah I made like some hash browns out of them like they just grew in the yard. You can have yard. an infestation. They're just yeah. all, you're never getting rid of them. Every year I don't know. Maybe, hopefully, hopefully there'll be <laughs> surprise potatoes. potatoes. Surprise potatoes. It was it was amazing. Well, it's good to see that something came out of those fresh graves you had dug in your front yard. <laughs> True enough. So I wanted to go over some other perfect bites and see if maybe these would be. Uh, you know, is there anything else that you consider? And, and one of the things I wanted to bring up first here that, that's on the list from when we talked about this a few weeks back was rice soaked. Pretty much, I think rice soaked in the last of whatever you're eating is right up there as far as all bites of any meal. Um, this one particularly calls out tiki masala and then heaped onto some naan. And I can get with this. This sounds delicious to me. I can I can picture the flavor. I can taste it right now. I'm making the fingers together <laughs> chef fist as I describe this. Um, how do you feel about the, the soaked up rice? And, and do you think there's something better than the Indian food soaked up rice? Well... Being Filipino, your whole life is about rice. 
So, and sauced up rice is basically the the core tenet of Filipino cuisine. Okay. <laughs> it's the, it's the I can whole get with thing. This. It's the whole thing. Sure. So, the sort of the national dish of of the Philippines is called chicken adobo. It's like a, it's not like Mexican adobo. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. But it's um. But when you get down to it, after you've eaten it, you've like you're left with all this sauce, like even in the pot. So what'll happen sometimes is that when you've got this pot, like you've eaten all the pork and the chicken out of it, there's this like sauce of the thing. You've got some extra rice. You just throw that in the pot and then just scoop it all out. Let it absorb all the sauce. And then, and that's how you clean the pot out. So do you think rice with sauce is on the menu at the leavings restaurant? Oh, for, oh, without question. It's, it's <laughs> just, but it's just, it's just the rice with the sauce. There's nothing else. Yeah. So it's I've like, been expanding on my idea that the leavings, what it is, it's a primarily a takeout joint. And what you get is the non-trays. <laughs> that's what's on the menu when you go there. Yes. Like everything that's made gets sent out. But if you go to eat at the leavings, you're going to eat the, the non-trays. <laughs> <laughs> but that's perfect. I mean, th- those those really are the the, you know, especially when you're eating something saucy, like especially you know, Indian food. That mm-hmm. that's a good. You get that like that curry, like like when you're down to the bottom of the curry. And I'm generally drinking the curry mm-hmm. at the bottom of it. Yeah. And then and then if there's some like maybe there's a half inch left, you've got some rice in there. And you're pouring that rice right in there. One hundred percent. Yeah. This is that's a that's a that's always a terrific bite. Right. It's like, I don't really want to drink the curry. That's just, it's almost, sometimes a bridge too far to feel like I'm going to pick up the bowl. But if you can give me 500 extra calories of white rice to pour into the sauce, <laughs> then we've got something. Usually, usually when we get Indian food, um, when the curry, when you crack the lid on the to-go curry, mm-hmm. the first thing my wife and I do is we each take like a big sip off the top of that, off the top of that, that container. Interesting. Just you the get like the... The oil mustache, yeah, like the, just the just the just like just like your like like this wonderful chicken spicy tea. Do you stir it up first? No, but it separates it always by the time. Maybe, but whatever. <laughs> All right, I did a terrible job segueing into the list because what I was going to transition off of is steak because we both I knew would would pick steak for our birthday dinner, mm. and this says specifically fattiest part of the steak. And how do you feel about the fattiest part? Is that is that your favorite steak bite? So the fattiest. Steak is a ribeye, obviously. It's the most mar- the most marbled American option, yes. Yeah. So there are two parts that are the core. There's the top, which is the skirt, which is that sort of dark strip that has the fat on it, which is great. But right at the end of the bone, like at the at the opposite end of the skirt, there's that one little like fatty triangle. Mm-hmm. That is the <laughs> the best bite of your steak. Like don't add and and. and and I know a lot of people like trim the fat off their meat before they eat it, but as a as a Filipino person, like no, like you, it's everyone's everyone's craving the fattiest piece of whatever you're eating, like, and that is that triangle of fat at the bottom of the at the bottom of the ribeye is the piece of steak. You really got to find the steak too with, that's got that piece has like actual meat in it that's completely encased. Yes. Right. If it's just fat, because there are pieces, there are steaks that that piece will be just fat. What you want uh-huh. is you want to find one that it's got like forty percent beef surrounded by fat on that piece. Yeah. If if, if yeah, if there's a little bit of meat in there, mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. But regardless. Okay. All right. So you're with it. You're with the fattiest part of the steak. Oh, it's the best part. And I think I've told this story on the podcast before. But when I went to Japan, um, I went to a fancy Japanese steakhouse and, and got served some. 
I, I assume some meat that had been, you know, massaged and fed honey and <laughs> such. <laughs> and they, you know, they gave it two cuts. And um, I, I, I should have looked this up if I knew I was going to bring it up, but I, I don't recall exactly which one was which. One was a very sort of familiar type um, uh, Kobe. Right, like, or uh-huh. I think more of the Wagyu style, where it's like fully marbled, looks, you know, it's yeah. just, it's like even, right, like, with the, it's not even muscle and fat separate, it's just the fat runs through all the muscle, right? Right. And that was delicious, but the most delicious take, steak I'd ever had was the, the, the lean Kobe. There was no fat you could see, but it just, the beef melted. And I don't know, they must just hold these cows still. I don't know how that works. <laughs> you know, I don't Seems think you wanna, bad. I don't think you want to. No, I have ethical, I'm sure that if I found out, I'd probably have ethical issues with it. Listen, you know what? If you want to feed me beer and massage me every day and then eat me when I'm like, you know, you know, in five in four years, fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with this. I'm All okay right. with it. Okay. Uh, one more that I wanted to touch on. How do you feel about this this take on the burger here, which is the middle bite of the bacon cheeseburger, where it has the highest concentrations of bacon and cheese? I always enjoy the edges of the cheeseburger more than I enjoy the center of the cheeseburger, even though. Even though, because if you like a, a cheeseburger like me that's that's rare, like medium, uh-huh. like rare, maybe rare plus. Okay. Like the best parts are the crunchy outside and then the rare part of the meat right. in each bite. Yes. But I understand what they're saying, though. They're, they're, but if your burger's made properly, you're going to get like the full, you're going to get the full, all the ingredients of the burger in every bite anyway, right? Yes. So I have a very specific opinion about this, which is that I like to eat the burger to about its halfway point. Mm. And the next bite you take where you're actually biting it like it's the end of a triangular cut sandwich so that you're able to like of the, of the second half you're about to eat, uh-huh. you can take, you can like consume like 40% of it into your mouth at once. <laughs> That's my favorite bite. The ha- oh, so you're at the half moon point, right? Yes. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yes. Okay. And then you turn it sideways. Right. Jam it up. Jam it up. Right. Your you, yeah. you turn it sideways <laughs> and you eat it vertically. Yes. That's what you're saying. That's my favorite. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't think I, I think I, I get way past halfway before I, before I do that, before I make that turn. No, see, I'm ready when I, I mean, whatever, <laughs> when I'm re- when I can, whenever I can pivot it in my wrist and then it's coming at me sideways now. And it's like a fresh new edge, like you're talking about. Uh-huh. But the shape of the sandwich at this point is such that I can really get a nice full <laughs> mouthful. Like it just the mouth is completely stuffed with food. That's what I'm mm-hmm. looking for. Yes, which is can I? And I'll let me let me sidebar here at the end of uh, at okay. the end of our segment here. By all means, about about full mouth eaters and and empty mouth eaters. Mm. So here's the deal. It's like I come from a long line of full mouth eaters. <laughs> and my wife's family, they are very much the partial mouth eaters. Okay. Now, if you're a full mouth eater eating with a group of partial mouth eaters, you're automatically a caveman. <laughs> you the, look like a maniac. <laughs> you look like a complete maniac. And there's nothing you could do. But then what's funny is because my kids are sort of like full mouth eaters. Good. Which, again, which, is, which is great. But it's always, it's always a hilarious like point of contention when i'm eating with my wife's family in that they're like can you guys slow down it's like why why, why are we slowing down right i'll sit here while you eat don't slow me down i'm in yeah i'm in stride i'm I'm a peacock i've got to fly you gotta let me fly yeah and see my my obsessive compulsive nature makes me a, a, a fast eater in the sense that 
I want to be I want to have concluded the meal so that I can stop worrying about like getting food on myself in any way, whether it's on my hands, my mouth, my clothes. I want the thing I want the experience to have ended so that I know that I can clean up and be done. I just want to get that food in my belly as fast as I can. I understand because it's, it's good. <laughs> Well, our younger that, daughter is definitely a partial mouth eater, and I swear to God, it takes her like she's at the table for like a good forty-five minutes longer than anybody else. <laughs> I think everyone's like everyone's a laugh. Do you yes. leave her there? I, sometimes. Um, <laughs> I've I've been singing um, "All Alone Again" to the tune of "On the Road Again" when we're when I'm clearing the table, like because like, everybody's done. I'm clearing all the dishes, and she's eating. And I sing "All Alone Again," <laughs> sitting at the table alone again. <laughs> Gonna give her a complex. She she needs to get a complex. So she fucking eat. I swear her goal at the table is to avoid actually taking any bites, but also to maintain that there's at least some food in her mouth at all times. So when I tell her to eat, she opens her mouth and shows me that she's eating. She. <laughs> I don't know what the goal is. I don't know. Like, I don't want to just eat the damn food. Eat the dinner. Do you want to sit here? I don't understand what you're doing. There's like a 20 minute preamble before the eating even starts too. Like what are you doing? <laughs> Staring at it? Like, you're finding it just. To, a million reasons not to get started. Yeah, I know. All right, well, let's go to segment two. Maybe we can make our lives a little bit better. All right. Welcome back to Half-Baked Life Hacks. In segment two, I've got some more to work through, and hopefully we can get this done. I'm not sure. I thought it was going to be the end, but now that I look at how many are left, we might not make it, especially if I keep talking. <laughs> so let's get right into it. Uh, we've got highlighters should all be designed with an open tip so you can see the text through it as you're highlighting it. Is that is that necessary? It exists. I think, you know, you... That way you're not, you know, waving the thing up and down because you can't, your hand is blocking it. First of all, like, if you're right-handed, you, all you do is you lay the tip down, right? And you move it. Well, if you're left I'm left-handed, so being left-handed and highlighting things is just the worst. You can't. You're dragging you, your hand through it. Yeah, it's just awful. You have to highlight. Backwards. Backwards. Yeah. Which is nice. At least I can highlight backwards. I have to write left to right. But I See, I think highlight. it actually gives you an advantage, highlighting backwards. Because you know where it's going to stop. So Yeah. And if, when you use a highlighter, you don't grip it like a pencil. You hold it way up on the top, right? Like a paintbrush. And you just sort of paint it across. And I don't know. I, don't, I think most people are most comfortable with a three-finger grip. I don't know. When, when's the last time you've honestly highlighted anything? That's in, not in the point. Don't do <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> don't bring your, like logic and reason to these <laughs> all right next if your family is bothering you about getting married and having children consider hiring an attractive stranger to come be charming and then propose to you in front of your family then have that person fake their death buys you two years easy this is the plot of like four jennifer aniston movies <laughs> come be my boyfriend god and no one wants that? to and that's why it makes it believable because no you one do wants that? to be jennifer aniston's boyfriend oh yes it seems difficult mm. i mean I don't know. Halle Berry's been married, married four times. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> My po- your point is made. Uh, if you need a mirror on your monitor at work, not that anybody's in the office right now, but uh, maybe you need to make sure your kids aren't sneaking up from you, sneaking up from behind you while you're working from home, uh, you can tape a mirror to the side of your monitor to act as a, or ta- sorry, tape a spoon to the side of your monitor to act as a mirror. They make mirrors. They do. You should. And quit, and quit looking at dirty pictures at work. <laughs> What do you need that mirror for? Yeah, really. Seriously. I'm reading Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a thing that exists that I want to, um, you know, get more widely adopted. There are doors with a push handle. And if you push the handle in, hand sanitizer comes out the bottom of the handle. <laughs> well, that, I like the foot thing. Have you seen the foot thing? The foot door opener? Yeah. 
Sure, the I little t- the metal hook. Yeah, the little hook. Like, yeah. some, but sometimes the door's heavy, and like my, you get a hamstring, like you you get a hamstring cramp trying to like like open the door with like the tip of your like the. <laughs> You're not strong enough foot. to open the door. <laughs> I my one of my hamstrings, my right hamstring is maybe an issue. I need to have see the door's got to have the thing where I can put the foot down on it. I don't want to lift with my toe. I'm not no, no, that's it. it. No, that's the one. The okay. one you put your foot. Then you have to. But then you have to like pull and do like a hamstring curl. Right. And sometimes you know. If you got a back, if you got, if you have back problems, you generally have hamstring problems too. It's just one of those; they go hand in hand. I think we just need to move to all doors or saloon doors, so you can just open everything with your butt. Yeah, or just you know, or you're going, you're going into the bathroom anyway, so you could just use the door handle. You could wash your hands. You could pee. You can wash your hands. You can use the paper towel, open the door, and then throw the paper towel on the floor because. Because if you don't, by the way, if you're not putting a trash can next to the door anymore these yeah. days, you're getting a paper towel on the floor. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I'll, po- it, I'll generally pocket it. I'm not such a heathen throwing I mean, garbage on the floor. Yeah, well, it's gross. It's a gross. You're gonna take that. You're gonna take that that gross that gross paper towel and wad it up and put it in your pocket. Probably not. <laughs> just <laughs> trying to sound. I'm just trying to sound better than I am. <laughs> just throw it on the floor. Yeah, and then just say, hey, put a trash can here, and it won't be on the floor. All right, next we have if you are bringing uh, brownies for distribution, whether you're selling them to bake sale or you know, you're bringing a plate and you're going to wrap them individually, you should take three different color office dots to code them for corner, center, and edge so that everyone can easily select their own brownie and not get the wrong one. Okay. It's not always, you can't always see it through the saran wrap. Saran wrap can be aggressive on the brownies. <laughs> individually Is wrapped. This, oh, wait. So do you have a strong preference here? Me? No, but yeah. uh, some people are crazy. Well, yeah. Like, have you ever seen the pan that they make that makes all edge brownies? Sure. Yeah. Those are cupcakes. Like, like those are. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like an S shape. I know. I know. Brownie it is. pan. But it's because like, are... everybody wants an because people yeah. like like everyone they want an edge on every brownie. Right. 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 Like, brownies are delicious. Just eat the goddamn brownie. Sometimes Whatever. I'm in the mood for just the the middle too. It's nice and cakey. There's yeah. No crusty edge. Uh, whatever. I mean, I need to. Drop some ice cream on it generally anyway, but I'm not really just sort of a, a an out-and-out brownie eater. You know what I'm <laughs> that saying? That's like an insult. <laughs> what are you, some sort of out-and-out brownie eater? <laughs> yes. All right. I'm not. Now, I now like, that you I, said it like that, it sounds like a racist insult from the well, 50s. <laughs> <laughs> but it sort of depends on the level of icing you get on the brownie, right? Have you... Like, if, if it's an iced brownie, which is more like cake, maybe I can deal with it. Okay. But if it's just, like, brownie, like, crisp, like, cracked, cracked like, the desert on top brownie, mm-hmm. like, I generally need to add something to that. Really? Okay. Yeah. I like, I like some ice cream with that or something. You put some cheese on it? <laughs> <laughs> put some aerosol cheese on it? Yeah, perfect. All right, next we've got an open sign for your business where the end slides from the end to or the, from the end of the word to the beginning of the word to say nope. <laughs> <laughs> I have customer service issues with this. Like you go to my business and it says nope. I like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> they do just buy the standard open closed one. You don't want to have the Costco sign. You got to do better than that. Everybody's yeah. got the, the Costco sign. Or just have the open sign that's lit and then it's not lit. I just well, how I about like a, a neon? It switches. Open. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. I'd be like, you know what I'd say? I'd be like, I was going to buy something here, but nope. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to go somewhere else. Which is going to happen because it's closed. 
well, I'm not coming back when you're open. If you have the nope sign up, I'm going to find a different vendor who's got you know who values me as a person. What if it just says go away? <laughs> it should. What if it was, goes from open to fuck off? That would be maybe better. <laughs> That's strong. Yeah. All right. I almost considered taking this one off because it seemed like a commercial, but I looked into this product and actually pretty it's pretty cool. So there's a product called Dip Jar, and it makes a credit swiper for an amount you set. So you it's just a little cylinder with a credit card slot at the top. And you set an amount, it's displayed on an LED screen, um, and it's, you know, whatever, how much it is. And so if you have a cashless situation, and we're like, that was like, okay, well, why would you be doing that? You know, I mean, most receipts have a place to, you know, add on to. But then I looked into it, and the way they market it is great. So uh, for donations or, um, like, auctions, mm-hmm. and they apparently they make it, uh, it's an endorphin device because... When you slide your card, the thing, like, gets excited. The lights go off, and it makes a fun noise. <laughs> and so it gets you excited about, you know, giving your money to other people. How do you I feel never, about the dip jar? Well, when I was young, dip jar was, you know, if you had skull, yes. you would, like, spit it in the dip jar. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. But, um, you know what? I wish. This, it's a decent idea, because I never carry cash. Right. And I have to make an absolute, like, you know, I have to think about it very hard if I'm going, like, if we're traveling or anything like that. It's like, I got to get some cash. Got to have some cash in my pocket. You know, I even have cash in my golf bag because I know that I'm going to have to, I might have to tip somebody. So I've got, sure, like, you know, a wad of ones in there. Just Yeah, like, I have a special little golf gambling wallet in my golf bag. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it's not for me between, like, me and you. Like, I can just Venmo you, but, like, but. Yeah, anymore. You know, Yes. Yeah. If the if if like I've left the cart a mess, I usually leave a couple of bucks for the the dude. What are you I doing mean, in the cart? The uh, no, you know, you just kind of left your trash in there, and like, ah, oh, I'll just leave a couple of bucks and not empty the garbage. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I like the dip jar because I was thinking at a merch table, if you had like numerous items, you can color code these things. You can get them whatever color you want, so you can have little labels for all the different merch you want it's like oh you want this t-shirt and that t-shirt i bang 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 hit me four times and you get all your stuff yeah so would you would you would you be charging more for edge brownies in this in with the dip jar yes because there's fewer of them (laughs) corner brownies corner brownies more expensive yeah three dollars for a corner brownie two for an edge one for a center All right, this next one I really like. I want to try it. I wish I had found out about it earlier in the summer. But uh, if you're familiar with the Miracle Grow hose gun that you put plant food in, so you screw it on the end of your, your hose, right? And it's got a yeah. container, and then it sucks uh-huh. up some of the container and yeah. out into the water for your, your plant feeding needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you put some baby shampoo in the Miracle Grow container and then shoot it onto your slip and slide, you can make yourself a homemade death trap. <laughs> the kids be cruising down the hill at like Mach 3. Yes. We have a playset in our backyard that has a slide that is starts at about a twelve foot. Like that's how tall the, the so it's pretty fast, right? Uh huh. Um, and a couple summers ago, we had the hose running down it, just a little trickle, right? Just making a water slide. And then I had bought like a small kiddie pool for basically a, a splash zone at the end, and that worked for a while until the kids started going fast enough they were shooting off of the like the, the they hit the, <laughs> the splash pool, and one girl hit the fence. <laughs> she slid. She slid so like, fast, like skipped like a stone off the top of the off yeah. the top of the water, and then like out into the yard. Yes, into oh, the fence. A, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you didn't have the you didn't have the phone video going. God, no. that would have been that that have gone viral. Yeah, AFV. Give me my money. <laughs> Kids watch that AFV. They're like, we want to make an AFV. I'm like, that's not how it works. <laughs> you can't just make it. No, you have to have people who are just filming all the time. 
All right. Well, we have a few more, but uh, there's nothing. There was one more that I was going to mention, actually, since right. we talked about the school year. Um, there's a teacher that's putting QR codes on their homework so that when the student takes the worksheet home and scans the QR code, code, it brings up a video of the lesson that's related to the homework. Perfectly reasonable. Or you could just choose curriculum that already has, like, YouTube videos associated with it. Like, I know some of the math stuff does. But, that's yeah, it's a good idea. All right. Well, maybe we'll get through some of these other ones through various overtimes in the future. But there's not very many left, and we did a half-decent job. Sounds good. Let's go to segment three. All right, but in segment three, I found it. Well, there was a tweet that I engaged with the other day, um, and it was from an, a, an old Deadspin writer named Albert Berneko, and he now writes uh, for Defector Media, if you're interested in seeing any of his uh, new work. But uh, he tweeted glibly, uh, quote, tweet th- quote tweet this with a simple and harmless preference that you've dressed up as a spicy opinion for the sake of making people tweet things like, quote, what the hell, and, quote, why are you like this, at you. And, of course, his audience is... The kind of audience that would certainly both get the fact that he's making a joke and then also put him through the hell of doing this to him. So his yeah. immediate response within seconds was, God damn it, this was a joke. Please don't don't actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't help at all. But it's too late. It's so too late. Mr. Smartass. The horse is out of the barn on this one. So I wanted to take you through some of these spicy takes and see you know, if you agreed, if you right. had any of your own. I participated, like I said, and here's, here was mine. I said that refried beans are food only suitable for serving to children. <laughs> it's it's part refried beans are part of a, a um you know a family mexican meal out you don't need to smash up the beans just give me the beans i'm fine oh i, I like i like them smashed up okay see because you you a palate of a child <laughs> <laughs> well they 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 adhere they they become that they adhere to the tortilla and then when you're making like things, like it becomes the first layer, so everything sticks to it. I don't require that. You can use money, many other things for this. <laughs> Guacamole, okay. much better option. Again, yeah. I, I like. See? It. All I right. Like it. Well, I mean, that's just basically. I don't. I prefer black beans and refried yeah, beans. That's my yeah, point. Really? Why are you like this? What the hell? It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly correct. All right. So the first one I saw that I agreed with are burgers are better than pizza. Burgers are better than pizza. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, I mean, pizza well, is question. universally better. Like, I, I, a bad burger is worse than bad pizza. But the best burger is better than the best pizza. 100%. Not, it's not even close. Yes. All right. Uh, the next one I saw that I, again, agreed with. Die Hard 3 is the best Die Hard. Of course you'd think that. <laughs> it's the truth. Die Hard 1 is the best Die Hard. I don't know. I, I, Die Hard 3 is very, very watchable. And there's no part where I'm bored, and it's great. Alan Rickman. Okay. That's, I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, Hans Gruber is, is diehard. I but mean, as much of- as, as much as, as much as John McClane is diehard, Hans Gruber is diehard. That's what makes that, that's what makes the original so awesome. And then the rest of it's about John McClane, which is fine because he's interesting and we like him. But that first movie is, is they're on equal footing and it's, and it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's okay. Well, I don't disagree with you. But the reason I think I like three is because it calls back to Hans Gruber in a way that allows Hans Gruber to be part of the story without having to be present. So I feel like I get to bring all my memories of the first one with me to the third one. Cause the third one is really the sequel that we needed. Like the second one is just the same movie in a different setting with a different set of people. Right. It's only McLean is the same. The third one is the real sequel. That's I think why I love it so much. It's an actual, it's, it's an arguable improvement and it's a continuation of the existing story. That now that's an argument you can make. Yeah. 
So that's why it's the best one. It's not the best. Um, okay, I, I like flat soda. Ooh. And you cannot lie? Um, <laughs> no. God, no. No, no, no. No? There's no... There's no soda that's better flat. Is there? Like what? I'm not against it. Like I'll tell you that like if I come across a uh, like a, a two liter that was open overnight. And it's gone flat? Yeah. Like if, flat. I, if I'm hungover, it might be I might be ideal <laughs> <laughs> for me to drink some flat soda. I don't know. I'd rather have no soda than flat soda. Flat okay. soda is disgusting. This one's wild. Peanut butter is a top five topping for a burger. I've had peanut butter burger, and it's I knew you were going to say that. I have no idea why. I just knew you were going to be it's like... It's not yeah. top five, okay. but it's pretty good. But when I was a kid, I used to put peanut butter on hot dogs, and peanut butter might be a top five hot dog topping. <laughs> okay. Really? Any specific kind of hot dog? Any? No, just like, you know, you know, God, when you're a kid, what do you do? You microwave some hot dogs. You get some bread, like Wonder Bread. <laughs> you put the hot dog on there. You take some peanut butter. You layer it across the top, and you go to town. It's delicious. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to try that. It doesn't. It sounds not delicious. You should try it with like a little bit of a hot dog. Like if you make a hot dog, like uh-huh. cut off like you know an inch and a half of it. And just just the hot dog of the bun and just a little peanut butter. Give it a try. Okay. What you know? It's not. You know, if you like peanut butter, you like hot dogs. You'll like you'll like peanut butter hot dog. It's no potato chips on a sandwich. Potato chips on a sandwich is a good move. It's the only to, to give you the give you the little crunch. Absolutely, especially if you don't toast your bread. You toast your bread. Are you a toast? I'm a, I toast my bread almost all the time now. Um, I like, I, I like only when the sandwich sort of like the, the the general rule is that the sandwich should be a hot sandwich. If it's a, like a cold cold cut sandwich, no, I'm not toasting the bread. Really? No. But then you put the chips on there. Yeah. See, if you toast the bread, you don't need the chips for the for the crunch. Yeah, but you, then the, the, the outside of the, the toasted bread is like an attack on the inside of it. <laughs> the okay. chips are like they get they get part of it is they get it enveloped in the the soft bread, which you know. So you're just or, you're like saying like like plain like Lay's potato chips on a on a ham sandwich. Yeah, for sure. And then you smash it down to get the initial crunch. Like a and then I don't necessarily never smash it. I just I like to just hold it and then let my mouth do that work. Huh. I don't. I don't want to make a mess. Again, we discussed this. <laughs> um, so this is interesting. I thought I was doing it as a bit, but actually, I've learned that Ranch Doritos make a great vanilla ice cream topping. Ranch what? Ranch Doritos on vanilla ice cream. I've never even thought to do that. That can't be good. I, I like the I like the life hack the other week where we said you 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 smash up some cones a little bit and then yeah. have ice cream nachos like I can yeah, get yeah. behind that. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to enjoy cool ranch nachos and 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 uh vanilla ice cream. Okay. Like the initial it doesn't seem What if you just poured the 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 bottom of the bag? <laughs> shake it just shake the shake the I will never out. be able to find out. Do you think you can find out for me? I'll, I, okay, I'll try it. Next time you have the, the last bit of a Cool Ranch Doritos, throw it on top of a scoop of vanilla ice cream and tell me how it goes. Okay. Let okay. our listeners know whether or not that's disgusting or not. I'll, I'll let you know. It's no pumpkin spice macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost our mind with pumpkin spice. I mean, this is, well, this is, not, this is not a hot take at all. I, I expect better from the Canadians, frankly. To know that Canadians are bringing their craft dinner and putting pumpkin spice in it. Like, <laughs> disgusting. What? 
I, you know, I don't know. I mean, why would they do that? Mac and I, cheese does not need flavors. It, it is the, it is in and of itself the flavor. Like, you could use different cheeses. Sure. But there's really no point in in pumpkin spicing. Well, there's no point in pumpkin spicing a lot of things. Right. But it tends to work in the the first thing we got exposed to, which is the pumpkin spice latte. Like, it's a hot drink. Sure. You put some, you know, it, it's nice. It doesn't taste like pumpkins, but, you know, whatever. It tastes like pumpkin spice. Whatever that is. The spices <laughs> you would put in a pumpkin pie without the <laughs> Which, yes, yeah, doesn't taste like pumpkins either. Right. Anyway, regardless, it, it works well in that for me. It works well in a pumpkin pie for me. But I do we I don't think we hold I need I don't think we need a whole industry based around pumpkin spice. That's too late now. Which we've had. And they should have the spice girls should have a pumpkin spice. Well, they should add a six. So these things did not align properly in the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> there would have been. If the spice girls came out today, there would be pumpkin spice. <laughs> well they'd have to have a pumpkin. I mean it'd be the only way to you know. She dress in orange? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Is she the body body, body positive Spice Girl? Spice. <laughs> uh, next we've got. I'm getting out of that. Uh, ripcord. Next we've got responding to any long text message you get with the following three phrases. I ain't reading all that. I'm happy for you though, or I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> Listen, when you when you write an overly long text to somebody, you've taken your life into your own hands. Like whatever you get, if you even get a response, like. You, you should get, what the hell, or why are you like this? That's what you should get if you send somebody a long text. It's like, you, there's no reason to send somebody an overly long text. Uh, sometimes you don't want to speak to them on the phone. And you still have to let them have it. Well, here's what... <laughs> well, wouldn't you, like, give them a little bit, and then have them respond, and then give them some more, and then have them respond, and then give them some more? You just lay it all out. I lay it out. I'm like, you know what? No. Here. Here's everything. I don't want to hear any more about it. <laughs> you don't want to sort of build into it no i don't want to have it back and forth because the only reason i'm sending you a long text is i'm pissed anyway <laughs> fair fair all right um here's one i'm staunchly anti okay ketchup is good on eggs fuck that ketchup should not believe not ketchup should not be on your breakfast table at all I think it's okay again don't if you're gonna make your me hash potato don't, if you're gonna make me potatoes i'm gonna brown. put ketchup on it I, no no I will. Ketchup has no place at the breakfast table. Disagree. I cannot be convinced otherwise. Sorry. If you eat a McDonald's hash brown, will you dip it in ketchup? No, I put the hash brown inside my uh, egg McMuffin, my sausage McMuffin. Why do I have, why do I, why can I not yet just order that? And it lives in there. Yeah. And it's like potato chips on your sandwich. Yes, I don't. It has the, it has the greasy, hot crunchiness in the middle of your sausage McMuffin. It's the best. Hit me with the sausage and egg. No cheese and put a round hash brown in there. Come on, McDonald's, get your <laughs> shit together. Or just put the oval hash brown in there. You, you should be able that to say huge. It's like a, I know it's, it's awesome. Like the size of your iPhone. That's fine, but you should be able to say, "I'd like the number two meal with the hash brown inside the, the McMuffin." You know what? I'm going to ask him to do that for me next time I go to McDonald's. Okay, I would. I'll let you know how that goes. You're going to try to custom yeah. order. I'll just say, "Hey, I'd like the number two meal." Can you just put the hash brown inside the inside the McMuffin for me? Yeah. Man, if they did that, that would be the greatest thing. They're going to tell you to do it your damn self. Well, maybe, or maybe they're customer service oriented and they will and, and they don't have a nope sign. Oh, outside you ruined my the- joke. You were supposed to finish your thought <laughs> so that then I could say, "Nope." God. 
don't she know how to set up a joke? Shut up. Stop it. All right, the last one I want to touch on here is I like to smell my own farts. <laughs> I am not bothered by my own farts, but here's the thing about your own farts is that you know when one's bad. Yeah, for sure. And it's your own fart, so you just deal with it. But you know the person, the 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 other person who has to deal with your fart is not going to enjoy that particular fart. Like there's, they don't enjoy like the people in my house don't enjoy my farts in general. But there are certainly ones that are are they're not all created equal. Let's be let's just let's just put it that way. Can I take this opportunity to tell you a story I probably shouldn't put on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> These are the best ones. So I'm driving to, uh, I'm driving a distance not so long ago, roughly 90 minutes. Okay. And unfortunately for me, I have to release some interior in the car. I'm by myself, so there's no big deal. Sure. Yeah, no problems. But it's bad news. I'm like, oh no, oh God, it's bad, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Roll down the window, whatever. You know, a few, yeah. few moments later, everything's fine. I move on. But I'm on the road for a while and it's warm out. So it starts to get hot in the car. And, you know, my back is hot on the seat and my, my lap or, you know, the bottom of my legs is a crotch, right? This is what's getting right. hot. Getting some swamp going. Yeah. And we have, uh, we're fortunate enough that our car has the ventilated seats. You can turn the, the air on. Oh, no. I, I, that, that's a new feature. Yeah. So you hit the cold air and it comes out of the seat to keep oh, your back right. and your legs nice and cool. Well, I'll tell you what, if you farted in that seat about <laughs> an hour before you turn that on. You get a replay. You get a free free replay of that uh, fart. But it's almost worse because it's that terrible, it's stale. It's, it's it was it was it was horrible. I was disgusted <laughs> by myself <laughs> because share because my that fart because it was living in the chair for so long. It was no longer your fart. It was Correct. somebody else's fart. The car's fart. And so it grossed you out because because it grossed you out like it was somebody else's fart. Well, it made me really concerned that I would like <laughs> fart into the car, forget about it, and then my wife would get in the car, use it next, turn the heat seat vent on, and just get <laughs> gassed out. Oh, I mean, I always call the knee pillow that I use when I sleep. That's like the fart fart absorber. That thing's right. that, that thing is that thing's taking so many direct hits. <laughs> like that, this is a battleship. Like that thing is if it was a battleship, that thing would have sunk like one thousand times. All right. Well, if anybody's still listening to the show, you know what time it is. <laughs> Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! <laughs> Dad jokes of the week. Woo! I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you started it. I did. That's why I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, all right. What do you call a cat on the floor of a station wagon? A carpet. A carpet. Mm-hmm. What is heavy forward and not backward? I don't know. A ton. It's heavy forward and not backward. Ton. <laughs> ton. Spelling. Right. These are spelling jokes. Get it. Why is a basketball damp after every game? All the swishes. The players dribble all over it. Oh. Shouldn't they dribble, dribble it all over? Why are frogs so happy? They eat whatever bugs them. What is the worst part of retiring? You never get a day off. <laughs> or every day's a day off. Yeah, that's the joke. If you need some wiring done, call an electrician. They can do it. They can do it. 
<laughs> I actually kind of like that one. It's not the worst. The conduit. Yeah. This is my favorite of the week. What do you call a dentist who can't stop working on teeth? Obsessive compulsive. And then I had one uh, bonus one that I discovered. Okay. A duck approaches a man in the park. Duck says, quack. The man stares at him. Duck says, quack. The man says, no. The duck says, crystal meth. (laughs) That's funny. It's a funny joke. Not the worst. Oh, let's see. I I have a home. I have a remote. I have a distance learning joke today. Fantastic way to be timely. <laughs> My kids are learning remotely. They have math, language arts, science, band, and the rest, as they say, is history. Okay, good for them. I hope they're learning something. That's a nice segue into the overtime. You ready to go? Let's do it. Overtime. All right, in the overtime, um, I've decided to share with you a short excerpt from uh, former British Prime Minister Edward Ted Heath. Uh, from his memoirs, it's about, well, it's about Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well. So I'm just going to go ahead and launch into it. I don't know why I decided to make this the overtime. I found this interesting, to say the least, and I'm going to share it with all of you. You ready? Okay. All right. Embracing myself. (laughs) Outside the stadium, we could move quickly into the streets and watch the military march past the hotel where the leaders were staying and were often seen on the balcony. All of this was impeccably well-organized and immensely impressive. It made me recognize for the first time what a fearsome threat Hitler and his forces would be. The political rally proper was held in the superb city hall, which could accommodate several thousand Nazis. The atmosphere was heated up by a symphony orchestra playing Wagner, and it became more intense as the leaders filed onto the platform. Then came the great fanfare on the arrival of Hitler himself. I was sitting on the inside of the walkway leading up to the platform. It was so narrow that I wondered how Hitler was going to move up it flanked by his guards. In fact, he walked up alone with the guards behind him, shoulder brushing mine as he went past. The crowd cheered continuously until he sat down, and then he listened intently to the speeches of his colleagues, which were mainly attacks on socialism and the supposed role of the Jews in promoting Bolshevism. Hitler reserved his own speech for the great parade outside. When I saw him close by, close by me, I realized at once that he had not come to office as a result of his physical dominance. His physique was actually extremely modest. It was though the power of his speech-making and his ability to strike all the right chords with the German people, that this man was bringing Europe to the brink of oblivion. Although his speeches were in many ways disorganized, and often rambled on, he knew all the right buttons to press with his audience, an audience who felt that they had suffered at the hands of both those who drafted the Versailles Treaty and their own nation's weak leaders during the 1920s and early 1930s. In a dreadful way, Hitler's rhetoric gave the Germans the leadership and sense of nationhood that they sought. He made them feel good again about being German. On the evening of the City Hall rally, I was invited to an SS cocktail party, which turned out to be a comparatively small affair, consisting mainly of regional functionaries from the Nazi party and foreign visitors. At this party were all the senior leaders except Hitler himself. Each shook me by the hand and talked for a few minutes, always about my impressions of the rally. Goring was far more bulky and genial than I had imagined, but Goebbels was the reverse, small, pale, and in that setting, rather insignificant looking. I shall never forget how drooping and sloppy Himmler's hand was when he offered it to me. I later often wondered how such a physically unimpressive man could have harbored such evil and proved so effective as a political figure. This thought came back to me while I stood outside my tent in a field alongside the Rhine one morning in May 1945, listening to a radio report that the captured Himmler had succeeded in committing suicide. It was a remarkable experience for a young undergraduate to find himself present, albeit as an observer, with those who represented both the heart and the head of the Nazi movement. It is impossible to recapture in words the overwhelming physical impact of these occasions. 
although we never felt ourselves to be in danger of attack. The violent and nationalistic nature of the sentiments which whipped up this fervor clearly spelled serious trouble for Europe, and everybody present at those rallies could recognize with perfect clarity the expansionist nature of Nazi in intentions. I never for a moment thought either we could change these dominating attitudes or that we could do any form of deal with those who held them. When I returned home, I was certainly horrified by the events I had watched, but at the same time, I had at least rid myself entirely of any illusions about what my generation would have to face. I was utterly convinced now that a conflict was inevitable, and that it was one for which we must prepare immediately if we were to save Europe from the evil domination of national socialism. This experience subsequently dominated my political life, my service in the army, and then my post-war attitude to international affairs. It also reminds me that it is both ludicrous and offensive to draw any parallels between, on the one hand, the empire, the empire that Hitler and his acolytes were trying to build, and on the other, the united, democratic, and free Europe that the present German government supports. I just thought that sounded familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot to that. I mean, there's... I'm always of the mind that when anybody sort of gets compared to Hitler, I'm like, well, you're, you're obviously not in Hitler's league. Let's be clear. I mean, the guy's like, I mean, there's nobody named Hitler anymore. <laughs> I mean, he did awful things, but only a person who was amazing in an awful way could do the things that he did. So it's, so everybody's small potatoes compared to him. And there's a, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole, treatise on this but the uh but yeah i mean there's there's a lot of <laughs> i mean these are these are these are interesting times that we live in um there's then also an interesting sort of uh there's also an interesting book that was written like uh in the mid 80s and it's called amusing ourselves to death by neil postman okay and it really it really it's i think it speaks a little more to what's going on today than perhaps that does um, it's the, um, it's about America's obsession with entertainment. I mean, this guy wrote this in 85 and he's nailed it. <laughs> like it, it's, it's funny to think that, you know, you know, 35 years later, this book like still like lands mm -hmm. and, and because he saw this coming, he saw that, that TV was this, this powerful tool. It reaches people, people start confusing Things like government with entertainment, um, like a man being know, stranded on Mars. Well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he wrote it during like the Reagan era, right? Reagan's right. like kind of his kind of like here's a guy who understands the medium. He understands television. He understands looking like a movie star, mm -hmm. and then it becomes. And then you fast forward, right? It's like we we take too much influence from entertainers. Mm -hmm. We take too much, and everything's everything's not built for information. Everything's built for entertainment, and and that that sort of confluence of things like muddies the whole water for everything. It's like people watched that debate last night, and they're like, "Oh, I was so entertained." These two old stupid dudes just yelling at each other. What you don't realize is it shouldn't be entertainment. No. It should be it should be a forum for informing yourselves and for those people who are running for this office to be able to put their thoughts forward should they have any. Yes. And and that's not what we get anymore. And part of it part of it is it part of it's part of it's our fault, part of it's not our fault, but it's sort of this 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 frog that's been boiling for decades. And and here we are, sort of at the at the at sort of the apex of it. Like everyone's everyone's looking around and saying, "Oh shit!" Yeah, I think it's, it's a like, great. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean that's but that's it. I mean everyone's looking around. It's like oh shit, it's boiling, and there's nothing to do about it. Like what do you do about it? Like, like you can't. You you just have to. Enough people have to just come out the other side and say, this is not what this is about. This is not what this is for. This is not for entertainment. This is these. This is you know. This is government. This is like this is people's lives. This is this is sober. <laughs> sober proceedings, right? I mean, this is, it's not made for this. It's not, it's not WWE, right? Right. It's this, it's, uh, it's, it's no, what we have right now is no good. Yeah. I mean, to me, it goes back to the conversation we had in the past about the near past about the need for more regulation in capitalism, because to me, it's a, it's a, you can't put the profit motive in front of every single thing and not expect that to ultimately, you know, sully whatever you're trying to keep the integrity of. If you allow people who are trying to make money to make money on literally everything, well, then that, that that's going to become the focus of whatever that thing is, whether you want it to be or not. There's a reason. There's a reason that things like the fairness doctrine existed. There's a reason. You know, one of the things you mentioned is like these books written in the '80s, the late, sometimes in the late '80s or the early '90s. I feel like one of the most depressing things that I run into on a day-to-day basis is this idea that we're still having the same conversations that we had as a, when I was a child. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm now I'm an adult with another generation behind me, two generations behind me, and here we have basically accomplished very little in a, in a lifetime, and it really makes you understand how slow people are to act, and when you see things like the existential threats we're facing, you know, many of them at this point, whether it's internally, politically, like I just described, or externally, in the sense that you know the the, the climate is changing, whether whether you, however you think about it or not, mitigation has to occur, and I don't care where it's basically what you think about what causes it, but we need to do some things to make changes. And yeah. my, my well, point is that it's just it's very frustrating to look at how bright the future seemed when I was young, and then you know thirty years later have it be, well, it's basically worst case scenario across the board. Well, the and I I can't count the number of tweets and Facebook posts I saw over the last twenty four hours that said, I wish. I could be a kid again and not have to worry about all this stuff. I wish I could like go back to being whatever this and that. It's like, no, no, stop that. Stop that. Be an adult today. Yeah. That's what you need to do. I wish I had known at a younger age that I was going, that I, that I was, I was mistaken that I thought I could just ride along while problems would be fixed by people who wanted to fix them. I didn't realize that, that I needed to be actively working to fix them myself. And I wish I had realized that much sooner in my life. And you know, but there's, it's never too late to come to that realization. Like, it's time to adult up, people. Like, you know how people go, "Oh, another day of adulting." Like, adulting's like this terrible thing. Like, the worst thing that could happen to you. Like, I love how people go about this. It's like, yes, guess what? It's time. It's right. time. Be an adult. Like, don't use the me- don't use news media for entertainment. Like, let's 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 use the things that that they're that they're made for like don't you have to turn it all off because anything that's given to you at this point is junk you're gonna have to go out yourself find the information yourself from sources that you can that sources that you can trust not even trust like like no opinions like i just want facts i just want numbers i just want i just want i just want to read the law that that you're quoting. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want you to, I don't want you to inform me about it. It's like, I'm going to try to make heads or tails of it myself because it's because what, what's given to you. If you sit back and turn on the TV, whatever washes over you is junk. It's just junk. It's all junk and, and it's no good anymore. And it's too bad because things got harder 
And I don't think I don't think most people are up for it. Yeah, people by and large are, are violently uncurious in a really sort of grotesque way, and it, it's it's really depressing. And the reality is that we do live in this world. You talk about this entertainment-driven society where we kind of have this, and you and I are as guilty as anybody else of this, is a sort of perpetual adolescence, right? Where it's like, in the bottom, but the bottom line is that if you want to be a 40-year-old man and enjoy things like sneakers and video games and Star Wars, that's more power to you, but you have to work to make sure the world exists in which you are allowed to actually do those things. Right. And we talk about that stuff here. Yes. And, and I enjoy that stuff immensely. Sure. But there's a part of me that when, the, when this bike goes off, that I have to be an adult. Yeah. And and I do. And that's the and that's the sad reality. I mean, obviously we're pulling the curtain a little bit tonight, but that's just the way it goes. It's like take take it seriously. Take yeah. it take take your opinions seriously. Explore your values and ta- and and build opinions and use facts and just come to something on your own. Like whatever it is you come up with, uh-huh. it might not be what you're, it might, I mean, it might change in a year, but come up with something on your own, figure out where you stand and then move forward from there. I don't even, I mean, and then, and then, you know, obviously vote <laughs> yeah. and that's, and just, and, and if you just did that, if everybody just kind of did that, we'd be better off. I mean, you know, you don't have to look at too much. You know, you don't have to look too many financial indicators. Like, like nobody has any savings, right? Everyone has gigantic credit card debt in this country. I mean, that that tells you right there. That tells you most of what you need to know right there, right? And that people aren't willing to be adults about stuff like this. It's, it's true. Like, yeah, it's it's just it's been it's obviously weighing on us. I think heavier than usual. That was a, obviously a disaster last night in every huh. respect. Oh yeah, no, uh, no one, nobody wins. No, no one win. No one won last night. No, and except really, the except the cable news networks who get to talk about who get to talk about what a disaster that's been for the last twenty four hours. Right, and that everybody's going to tune in to see like what the reaction is because that's where that you know the horse race politics that we're dealing with. Because that's it. Because yeah. that's what people that's what people want. And and people say, well, why couldn't they run the debate in a more classy way? Because nobody wants a classy debate. Like I do. But nobody does. People want people want to see blood. People are in it for the people are in it for the for the spectacle, and they're not using that form for what it's for. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the the actual functionality of debates can be debated at this point. Like, I think you'd be much better served. Like, I look forward to the town hall format, for instance, because that's there's not really an opportunity for arguing right at the town hall. It's yeah. not like the candidates can attack the person asking the question. Now, <laughs> look, I'm be, not going to put it past some folks which, here. Which might be really entertaining. I, you might, yeah. I mean, there's going to be some whataboutism to the people who ask the questions, which is going to be interesting. Um, but at least, I mean, you could have a format for, for any kind of political election where there was a set of questions that everybody had to answer on video, and you got to watch those, like video dating, right? Right. And, then and then, make some and choices. The, and the, there, there is value in... There is value in debate. I mean, there is a certain mental agility that goes along with people who are excellent debating, like mm-hmm. master master debaters. You yes, know. yes, I, I get it. Thank the, you. <laughs> Ask your son a, in the tent about the master debating. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but it's there. There is some. I mean, you do want people in these positions to have that sort of nimbleness, that sort of. I understand things in a certain way and I'm nimble enough to be able to, to take these thoughts and, and, sure. and, and I mean, there's, there's value in that. We, we want, we would want to see that, but we don't want to see what we saw. Last they time. also that's, don't need to necessarily be permitted to speak to each other though. Like you can have them answer questions 
And you could have, I mean, you could even have the candidates raise concerns. I'm concerned that the other candidate does this, but not necessarily allow them to interact in that way. Yeah. But I don't think again, fighting don't, is helping anyone. You don't get, you don't get the raw meat. You don't well, get I the get blood. It. You I don't get, get the blood. I mentioned dating. The last thing I'm going to say about this is that you have to treat it like dating in the sense that it's not like being a fan of a sports team. Too many people have picked a side. This is my team and I'm on board with this and I don't really care about the details because this is my team. Right. I'm an, I'm an apologist for it. And I don't, you know, our players are the best. doesn't matter whether they're good people or bad people or whatever. It's just they're on our team. So they're the best. Yeah. And you would never treat your dating partners like that. You need to pick a, a, a political relationship like you do your, your romantic relationships. You take the good, you take the bad, you weigh it out, you decide how long you want to be part of whatever you're a part of for however long you're going to be a part of it. And then you finally ultimately maybe settle on some core values that you decide to stick with. And then you try to pick people that align with those values, not the reverse. Yeah. And, and sadly, that's too much work for 99.9% of the people in this country. It's tough. It's not just this country. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for putting up with that. I, every once in a while, I got to get it out. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's why we have this. That's why we have this forum, Ty. Just get, just get it out, man. Unload it. All right. Well, that's our show. And our thanks to all of you for listening to Two on Three Pod, where we look outward to help you look inward. And if you don't already, please subscribe and review via your favorite podcast provider. And don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next week with more pop culture, life strategies, and existentialism. And until then, seriously, peace. Peace.